0: Most years, I forget to remember my father on August 10th, the day he died in 1991. But for some reason, he was very much on my mind yesterday, the 28th anniversary of his passing. Jose de Jesus Avila emigrated from Durango, Mexico, to Chicago in 1956, bringing with him the new wife he barely knew, my mother. He hadn't wanted to come. Growing up on a ranch, my father rode horses and herded cattle all day long, a life he loved. But his own father, a domineering man, declared they would all go to America, and so they went, after arranging their visas and their papers. In Chicago, dad worked at US Steel for 16 years, then at Milwaukee Valve for another 14 years once we moved to Wisconsin. Factory work was pretty much the opposite of riding horses. Freezing winters were the opposite of grazing lands. And dad never really learned English well enough to assimilate. With five kids to feed, a wife he never did seem to get to know well, And a father he could never please, dad must have felt trapped. So he took to drink, and his early death at age 59 was the result of liver failure. It took me years to forgive him his alcoholism. In fact, it only happened after his death when my mother told us stories of how he would sometimes stay up late and talk to her about his life on the ranch and how he missed it. I picture him in heaven, riding horses on the plains of Durango. From today's letter to the Hebrews. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. This passage describes Abraham and his descendants their centuries-long search for the homeland God had promised to them. It seems also to describe the journey of many a migrant since. Strangers and foreigners seeking a better country, a homeland. A search we are told really only gets resolved in heaven. I am thinking of my father more this year than usual. Actually, I saw him in the news last week. Arturo Benavides, age 60, was paying at the register in the Walmart in El Paso when he was shot and killed. According to a coworker, Mr. Benavides loved food and was always talking about how much he loved food, all kinds. That was my dad. And I seem to have inherited that particular gene. (laughs) The photo online of Mr. Benavides looked a bit like my father, though I must say that by a certain age, most Mexican men kind of start to look the same. (laughs) (laughs) Along with 19 others, he was killed by a young American white male overwhelmed by the Hispanic invasion that threatened his way of life. Mr. Benavides had lived in El Paso, for all of his 60 years. I wish we could finally learn to treasure one another the way God treasures each one of us. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To love one another from the conviction that we belong to each other that in fact, we are here to care for one another. We are not separated or sorted out by color, borders, or beliefs, not in God's eyes. August 10th, yesterday, was also the feast day of St. Lawrence. I have told his story from this pulpit before, but it bears repeating. Lawrence was a third century deacon in Rome, responsible for the material goods of the church and for the distribution of alms to the poor. During the period of Christian persecution under Emperor Valerian in the year 258, the prefect of Rome demanded that Lawrence hand over the church's treasures. Without hesitation, Lawrence said, Yes, I will. Come back tomorrow and I will have them all gathered up for you. So the prefect left, then returned the next morning, meeting Lawrence at the church's front doors. Have you got the treasures, he demanded. Yes, right this way. And Lawrence opened wide the church doors. Inside were all the poor of the city, gathered together in the nave of the church. Behold, in these poor persons are the treasures which I promised to show you, to which I will add pearls and precious stones, those widows and consecrated virgins, which are the church's crown. The prefect was not amused. In fact, he was so angry that he ordered Lawrence to be roasted to death on a gridiron, The legend goes that after burning for some time, Lawrence cried out, I am well done on this side. Please turn me over. Today, Lawrence is the patron saint of cooks, chefs, and comedians. True. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is yours? What makes the guitar strings of your heart buzz with melody? I'm guessing you could readily answer that question. What you treasure is on the tip of your tongue. I know I could. William, travel, books, friends, and church. But today's readings suggest that we should store our treasure elsewhere, place our heart on other things, on heaven, on God. Consequently, our scripture passages this morning are about promises and trust. God takes an aging Abram outside one night to count the stars. So shall your descendants be, he promises despite the fact that this man and his wife are in their mid-seventies and have no offspring. But Abram trusts God's promises. Psalm 33 insists, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us as we have put our trust in you. The letter to the Hebrews gives us perhaps the best definition of faith in the entire Bible. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And Luke's gospel this morning urges us to wait for someone whose arrival is unknown to trust that Christ will come again when we least expect it. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Promises and trust. And how do we make ready? How do we prepare for the master's return? Not by by storing our treasures in the things that bring us pleasure, comfort, or joy, Not by storing our treasures in the things that bring us pleasure and comfort and joy. No, thieves and moths and time will make short shrift of such things. We make ready by showing our love for God in the way we care for others. For those who have no one to care for them. For the treasures of the church that St. Lawrence so beautifully displayed in God's house on that fateful day. For the poor and the marginalized, for the lonely and the sick, for the oppressed and the scapegoated. Such a turn towards others proves us ready for the master's return. So be glad that you weren't here for the Saturday service last night. (laughs) I was in a funk, depressed at the latest news cycle, and desperately trying to find good news online to counteract the bad and preach something positive. Instead, I found these stories. Last Thursday, a Las Vegas security guard was arrested after police discovered bomb-making materials in his home. The man had planned to blow up a local synagogue and a nearby gay bar, and he had posted comments to that effect on a far-right website. And just yesterday, another man walked into another Walmart in Missouri in full body armor and carrying an assault rifle in what he called a social experiment to see whether his Second Amendment rights to bear arms would still be protected. Since Missouri has open carry laws that allow him to do this, he was apparently doing nothing illegal, just pushing his shopping cart past shoppers who ran screaming from the store as the manager pulled the fire alarm, and the police were summoned. So as I said, I was in a funk last night, and my sermon, different than today's, unfortunately was more therapy session than exhortation. But then, two things happened. Kyle Young, one of our teenage string trio, played a beautiful piece by Schumann, as a postlude on his cello and it truly brought me comfort then he played three more postludes on the piano original compositions and also lovely also soothing it was his last service with us before he departs for the university of illinois and so we gave him a blessing But truly, the blessing was ours to receive from him and how he has shared his musical gifts with us over the years. The second thing that happened was that Gianna Tuffley, the 10-year-old granddaughter of Jean Tuffley, gave me this card she had made to thank me for a gift I had given her last month in honor of her graduation from grade school into middle school. It says, Thank you, and there's a heart on it, and there's a beautifully drawn cupcake. (laughs) I don't know where she got that inspiration. (laughs) And then on the inside it says, Father Ricardo, thank you for the gifts. They were very appreciated. Thanks again. This little heart. And then you probably can't see this, but there's a a loaf of bread and a book of common prayer and a cross and a a chalice filled with wine. And on the back is this beautiful lit candle from the altar. (laughs) And you know, it worked. It cheered me up. (laughs) All that awful, awful news in the world and I needed to hear a few beautiful pieces of music and get a card of appreciation. And lo and behold my funk lifted. But of course I had 45 minutes on my commute to get bummed out again, so... (laughs) When I got home, William saw the look on my face, and he showed me a video to cheer me up. I don't know if you've seen this. It is the story of Austin Pirine, a four-year-old African-American boy in Birmingham, Alabama. Austin, with his father, saw a TV show about pandas. And in it, a mother panda abandons, for whatever reason, the baby panda. And so the father says to Austin, you know, that little baby panda is now homeless. And Austin said, well, what's homeless? And his father said, well, that's when you don't have anywhere to live or to sleep or to eat. And sometimes you don't have a, a mother or a father. And Austin said, are people homeless? And his father said yes. And so what Austin, this four-year-old boy, decided to do was he told his parents he wants all of his allowance money and any money that they use for buying him gifts or toys to go into an account that he then takes and goes to the local McDonald's and Burger King and buys chicken sandwiches and gets sodas from the grocery store. And he goes out into the neighborhood and gives sandwiches and sodas to the homeless. Uh, he wears a cape. (laughs) (laughs) Like a superhero. It's a red cape. And what he does is, this is big, he goes up to someone and says, excuse me, excuse me, would you like a sandwich? And they say yes, and he gives them the sandwich and the soda, and and then he gives them these parting words. He says, don't forget to show love. (laughs) And I saw this video when I started crying, I mean for goodness sake. <laughs> um, the interviewer on the TV station asked him what his name was, what his superhero name was and he said, it's President Austin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he has a blue t-shirt with bright yellow lettering that says, show love. And um, After showing me the video, William turned to me and said, you know, the thing that little boy says, don't forget to show love, is basically the last thing Jesus said to us from the cross. Don't forget to show love. Because we belong to each other. And if you're going to be ready for the master's return, You're going to need to be a little more like Austin. And when that door opens and Jesus says, did you remember to show love? You need to say, I did. And you know what will happen? Jesus will ask you to sit down. He'll take a towel and put it across his arm. And he will serve you at the banquet. Amen. Amen.